<laughs> that was a very healthy response. I appreciate that. <laughs> so she saw the lights go out in the first service. They went off. Like all the power just died, and we were like, you know, last time that happened when we were in the dark and the glow of the iPad, and it was fantastic. But, you know, we'll go, little, we'll go old school. I tell them, if it was up to me, we just have a couple of folding metal chairs and an acoustic guitar because that's just how I, I, I roll. But we're, thank the Lord that I'm not the only one making those decisions, right? I didn't hear an amen, so you better watch it. <laughs> but I may try some of that out. Hey, a couple of uh, announcements real quick. Scripture journals, four bucks. This is a deal. This is a steal. So much time in church, you can steal, and God will bless it, all right? So I don't, I'm just talking way too much already. I can tell. We had a good time <laughs> this morning. Uh, get you a scripture journal, $4. We're starting 1 Samuel. I'm so excited to be in the book of the Bible. We're starting 1 Samuel next week, and so you will be ready with that. Um, let's do some announcements as well. Uh, spring Bible study tonight, 6 o'clock, right here in this building, Colossians. Uh, we're, so we're going to study the book of Colossians for six weeks. So it's in and it's out. And so come in. Be, if you've not signed up for that, um, go on and, if you, as long as you don't have a ton of kids, uh, go on and come and we'll figure that out. And I'll, it's easy for me to say that because I don't have to figure out that part. I just say, come on. And then somebody else has to figure out, how do we make that work? So it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. If you want to come, please do that tonight, 6 o'clock. Um, and then finally, Student United is this week, 615, right here. All the students will gather uh, together for worship and teaching, and they're just the, the big-time party to love Jesus and to, to worship Him together. Um, so, three points. We'll jump right in. This is our, our, our third of three on the Vision Series. So, um, our first was Global 2020. What are we going to look like as we go forward globally? And we talked about um, Nepal and, and, and other places in the world we're going globally, that the gospel goes forward, that God has a missionary heart, and he calls you to love those that do not yet know him. The next week, last week, was regional focus on 2020. We are planting a church in Decatur called New Eating this year, and our church will get smaller and the kingdom will grow, and we, were gonna, we are going to celebrate that. And that is what we talked about last week. Um, so be ready to fill the space that's going to be created when, when 30 or 40, however many people, we called you to go. We want you to go. We're, we're not, hey, get out. We're like, hey, you know what? You need to go. If God calls you, you need to go. And so we want to celebrate that. Um, those that step out, we need others of you to step up. And so we talked about that last week. So we got global, we got regional, and today is local. And we're going to finish up with our vision series. So here are three points for today. I know them fairly well. They've been with us a while. Know, connect, live. Number one, know the gospel. Number two, connect the gospel in gospel relationships. And number three, live out the gospel. And we're going to connect that to our local missions. Um, we're talking about and have been spreading the kingdom of God, spreading, uh, advancing the kingdom of God, the gospel, from neighborhoods to nations. That's our mission. That's what Jesus called us to do. And we talked about we're going to look through the lens locally today, how we obey Jesus in Limestone County, how we do that through knowing the gospel and connecting in gospel relationships and living out the gospel. You see that on the front doors when you walk into the lobby. The first thing you see is no connect and live. And so it's very important. We're covering a lot of ground with that. And so you may need to just kind of hold on because the first point, no, is the most important. It is the foundational point. For today, if you don't get no and you're kind of glazed over and, and looking up, you're, you stayed up too late last night, and then you pop back and you get like points two and three, you're just probably not going to enjoy that very much. You're going to end up getting tired 
Um, you're going to get kind of bitter, maybe at the church or whatever, uh, because they flow from the first one. You must be energized and fueled from point number one. Otherwise, Christianity just turns into a bunch of busyness and a bunch of checklists that you do. And we know that it ain't that. It is so much more than that, and that's what we're talking about today. Here's a verse. We're, we're going to start with uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this. This is what you're to be boasting in, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And that, that Hebrew word for steadfast love is the, the chesed word. That we in the New Testament we get grace and mercy, and it's just wrapped up in the one. And so it's an amazing thing. Um, we went through the book of Mark recently together. Mark 3, 14 tells us this. And he appointed 12, or the disciples, right? And he also named apostles. So that, here's why he appointed them. This is one of the big things that stuck out to me from that entire book. I had two things that were just brand new and, and landed on me. Number one, that they might be with him. And number two, that they might be sent by him, sent to preach. In that order, to be with Jesus and then be sent by Jesus. We've got to get that order right, and that is the order of know, followed by connect, live. All right, That is how that, that's going to work. And so when we say know the gospel, maybe what we ought to say and I'll, we're not changing it because we're just not. But it, maybe instead of know the gospel, it's knowing Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. Learning what that even means. I don't think we necessarily know that very well. And we want you to know the difference between the data, the, the information of the gospel story, which any non-Christian can learn, and the difference between that and believing and trusting Jesus every day of your life. Because many atheists know the gospel story, it just does not transform their lives. So you can know the information and live exactly like you've never known the information. You can try to be a good person, you can try to do all the stuff, but it, there's a difference. See, Christianity has where, where your heart is, is brought to life, from dead to life, from darkness to light, from chaos to order. There is something different and new and alive about Christianity, and it's not just following a set of rules or propositions or, or, or memorizing a set of beliefs. It's so much more than that, that knowing the story is just the tip of the iceberg, and this is what you and I are walking out, walking through together. We've, we've got to know that. Jamie, you say that all the time, but we don't know it. <laughs> We don't. What did Luther say? Hey, I, I preach the gospel every week. I'll beat it into their heads every week because we forget it every week. I do. I do it myself. And so we need each other to know that we can enter into a relationship with God, to get to know him as a person. I say I know my wife. I tell people, hey, I know my wife. I know her story. And I do. I've known her story for 25 years. That's a long time. And, and, but but we have this ongoing interaction, she and I do, this sense of an unbroken communication. I, I can get a text from her at any point in the day, and we're right back where we were at our last conversation. Or I may get a, a, a phone call or something we talked about enters my mind. She's not even there, and I'm thinking about, you know, what were we really talking about there? What does that mean for this? What are the implications? This is what a relationship is, right? And, and you, you think that's obvious, but it is not obvious to our functioning lives, I'm convinced of this. 
when I'm eating at a restaurant with somebody, I'll eat two, I've been eating two lunches a day trying to catch up with everybody. I've got breakfast, two lunches, and a coffee, like at least every day. I'm like, yes! You know, and I have to like order one taco and an unsweet tea here and like a, a salad. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And so I'm sitting down with somebody and they're like, I'll take a number one. I'm like, oh, that's like my wife. She always just orders a number one. That's just what she does. Number one, plain, ketchup only, you know, and that's it. And so I'm like, how boring. But it's, it's my wife, and that's what, and I like everything. I'm just, if you've never heard of it, I want to try to eat that if it's on the menu. But she's like, mm-mm, you know. She finds one thing out and just wears it out, man. And that's what she does. It's the way she is, and I love it. I would not do it, but I love it, right? And so we have this running dialogue full of listening and speaking, of sharing of, of events and, and thoughts and emotions, being vulnerable with each other, being superficial. It's all of life. It's not just the deep stuff. I mean, we're silly. Being funny, being sad, being real about failure and victory. It's called living life together, sharing it together. This is what marriage is supposed to be, right? It's it's supposed to say to the world, here's what Jesus and his bride, the church's relationship look like. Isn't it amazing? intimate it is. Look how wonderful it is. And they go through hard times and they go through good times. They're still together because they love each other and it doesn't matter about the circumstances. That's the purpose of marriage. And God says, you're invited to know me like that. And we shouldn't settle for anything less. It's an amazing thing because somehow we think that Christianity is just going to a church event, a building number, uh, number of times uh, per Sundays per year. It's a, learning a set of beliefs. It's attending a group Bible study, giving a little money, or, or being nice. And it's not. I know people that aren't Christians that are much nicer. They have to be. And that's not Christianity. You can do that and not be born again. So do we live lives that scream out, I can't do this unless I'm born again, unless I have the Spirit of God in me? Can you live the same life you have now without the Holy Spirit? And I would challenge your Christianity. I know I ask that question, and I'm like, how, how, how does that affect me? Boy, that's a, am I loving my enemies? Oh, I'm not. Oh, Jesus. And you go into repentance, and then you, and you come out, and you're like, I'm so glad I'm forgiven. And then this is the way we live. Thank you, God, that I did love my enemy this week. It's by your grace that I did that. Oh, I didn't do it this week. Lord, forgive me. Help me. Help me. That's how we live, is to live a, a, a life that you, you cannot live without being a Christian, where you are changed, you're wrecked, you're joyfully unended. I guess is one way to say that. And longing for more of Jesus. To live what the book of Acts calls a, a full of God life. These guys walking around and they're described as full of God. I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to live a life that says full of God because I see how they live in this Bible. That's what I long for. Our elders, we're praying Saturday morning. We're up here for, for three or four hours just, just praying and, and thinking and, and turning to the Lord. And we long for that for this body of believers. We hurt for that. It's, it, we can't settle for living a life where your family is, is good enough, and if you just got a good enough family, then, then you'll, you'll be okay, and, and then you'll, you'll, you've believed the right thing, so one day you'll, you'll be with Jesus. That's not what we're called to, that you've got a good job that satisfies you, or you're living in the right neighborhood, or if you've got X number of dollars in the bank, uh, that means you're doing okay. That, and so we pray th- we'll pray this, please, God, save us from being far too easily pleased. Let us not 
be satisfied until we are satisfied with you. Don't let this world be enough. I know that I fall into that. So knowing God, this, this know, K-N-O-W, is a deep word, and it does start with learning. It's not just limited to what you learn in a class or, or from a Bible study. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the, the knowledge, grace and knowledge, right? the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where you start. And we want you to be mature disciples that can lead other people to Jesus to be not just to him, but to be a mature disciple. And so we have avenues of doing that to, to know Jesus better. And we realize by God's grace and missional community, although it is the primary organizing structure of this church, is the main thing we try to get people to go into next from Sunday morning, absolutely, it cannot bear the full weight of what is required for making a mature disciple. We realize that. And so we just stopped everything, and we got on our faces, and we prayed, God, what do we need to change? And so now what he has cha- changed recently is that we have equipping classes. What is an equipping class? That's like a parenting class. What does the Bible say about parenting? It's like a marriage class. What does the Bible say about marriage? And, you know, isn't it just because we complete one another and he makes me feel better about myself? No, that's not Christian. You know, we don't know that because we're not taught that. And so we're having equipping classes to teach us. What is family worship? Is that a thing? Yes. Let's, let's see if we can do a class on that and, and educate ourselves. We can't do everything on Sunday morning that we'd like to do. We have Bible studies like tonight. That's different than an equipping class. We have Bible classes that maybe teach you how, an equipping class, how to study the Bible. Tonight's Colossians. We have uh, the community Bible reading, which is every morning at 530. If you choose to, this is an opportunity for you. You can get a text that says, here's an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage. Here's a song we're going to sing this next coming Sunday. And here's prayer directives from the last sermon. Go. Run. Read. Love. Tell somebody in a text. This was radioactive to me today. This was amazing. This part. We want to give you opportunities. Sunday morning, we have whoever's teaching up here spends a lot of time in studying and preparing and praying so that, that, that we are instructed in the Word. Now, all this stuff, just these classes learned. Are you, are, we, are you telling me, Jamie, you're expect, the church is expecting us to do all of these? No, I'm not. I don't want you to do all of them. Not all while you're doing mission communion and all this. I mean, no. We're providing opportunities for you to grow. You, you must exhibit initiation to seek Jesus yourself. We want to provide places for that. What we've learned and I've learned as a leader over the years is that we as leaders are responsible to you. We are not responsible for you. I can't chase everybody down. I wish I could. I would. I try to do that Sunday morning, but I can't. But I'll put that, I'll put that burden on my shoulders, and I have wonderful elders that constantly remind me, would you, would you take, take that off? Jesus is building his church, not you. You're not that important. You're in the middle. You're a part of it, but you're not going to need that. We're responsible to you to give you opportunities. And so these are springboards for us to learn to grow. And, and this part of teaching is, is how we, it teaches us how to be with Jesus so that we can be sent by him. If we never partake, if we never exercise these options, and we should not wonder, why doesn't God move more powerfully in church? Why, why does he move more powerfully in my life? If we never sit and, 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 and know him, like he says, seek, ask, knock. Here's what you can do. How do you know God? What is your relationship with God today? 
Not one time, not when you think you got saved, not when you filled out a card, not when you walked an aisle, not when you got baptized today. Does that define it? Is it like a fireman? That's good, but your relationship with a fireman is usually pretty brief and pretty intense and then over. And you're hoping it doesn't happen again, right? And you're like, well, I, I know them, I need them, but I hope I don't need them again, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, we love you, you know? I just hope I don't have to experience that again, right? That, that's the relationship. What about a paramedic? Urgent, needed first aid when your life is in question. You're like, this, for a very short period of time. We need those relationships. We must have them. A doctor, routine check, uh, checkups. If you're feeling a little weird, have a sinus infection, that keep you healthy and going. I see my doctor, because of my heart stuff now, twice a year. I probably spend an hour with my doctor. We have a great relationship. I've never seen her anywhere except in that room, and I hope I never do. 30 minutes every six months. Boom. If you do your job, I do my job. That is all we need. And guess what? I have a good relationship with my doctor in my mind because I expect that much time, that much investment, and I expect that's what that should look like, and therefore it is okay. You see how we're grading relationships? You see that? What about a lawyer, CPA? I hope to spend as little time as possible with these people. Right? They are necessary and needed. But the longer I spend with a CPA, it means I'm in trouble. And I need you, can you just fix that and then just let me sign some stuff or whatever? You know, I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand spreadsheets. They scare me. Right? And I, I just don't want to spend time. What about a principal? When you're in trouble, spend time with them. How's that relationship? Project manager or boss gives you instructions on how to live your life. If you just do this and this and this, then you will get paid. And if you do not do this, and you'll be reprimanded. Fantastic. I know the expectations. I will meet expectations, and I know what to expect for uh, results, and then, therefore, that is how I will live, and I will call this a job. And we have a good working relationship in our minds. What about a banker? You don't go to the bank very much, but you see their hands, and I'm like, I'm just watching your hands. Make sure you can't write 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Or... Is your, relationship, is your God, relationship with God like that, or is it like the pictures we see in the Bible that he gives us of what he says our relationship is like? He uses words like this, king, master, friend, elder brother, husband, father. That's different than a doctor or a CPA. I mean, you need all of that. When he says, seek me, That what you boast, what you should boast in is that you understand and know me. That's what God calls you to. And guess what? Nothing will satisfy you until you wallow in that and enjoy that and learn what that is about and learn how you're made. I've got a friend. I mean, those are totally different caliber than the first. I've got a friend that he was a, he was a leader. And so we were, we were kind of talking. I'd do some X-29 stuff or whatever. And, and he was like, hey, you know, when I have a meeting, he likes to be very efficient, very, very, you know, one side of the brain. And, and if we're, I, I want to know what the agenda is. I want to have it set out. I have a 45-minute plan uh, for getting through a meeting. And um, then when we get through with it, we're done, and we'll go be efficient with the meeting. And I'm like, 
Okay, I mean, I'm very relational. I like, I just hang out with people, and I hope to get to the agenda. I have one. I know we need one. And so when, when he and I said, I just like, just forget it. I'll just email you. You know, because I just, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have time for you to have time for me. <laughs> you know, this, this, this feels like a waste of time. He, does, he doesn't just hang out with people to hang out. He has to hang out for a purpose. And I'm like, I just don't roll like that, brother. I mean, that, that's, is that how you're shepherding your folks? <laughs> are they a problem to be solved for you? Are they an enigma on a spreadsheet? Do we treat God like that? What are you getting? You, you are getting something. Here's, here's the question here. Do you know how to enjoy God? Do, do you? Because enjoying him is a huge way of knowing him. <laughs> that, that's like one of the prime, that's a big door. Enjoy me. That's actually why you exist. Worship is, is that. It's enjoying God like that. I know how to enjoy a video game. I know how to enjoy a football game. A boyfriend or a girlfriend, spouse. We know how to do that. If you're in middle school and you, you have a friend and you go over to their house, you're like you have friend, your school friend that you know how they are at school, but when you go to their house, they're just totally different. Right? It's a different context. They're not a different person, but different parts of them come out. And when other people are around, different parts of them, you know, they come out and this this like, whoa, this is totally different, but you're the same person. I know you in a whole different way. Yeah. Not an uncommon or unfamiliar a relationship with God. It's like there's so much to knowing who God is. He's not just Savior. He's not just you know, saving you from fire. He's not just your fireman or your doctor. There, there's so much more. And we, we limit it because of what we expect it to be. So we have this idea and we project it out there. And when we meet it, checked off the list. I've done that part. Let me continue on in life. And Jesus says in, in John 17, I want you to know God like I know God. I want you to be brought into the relationship of the Trinity where we perfectly care for one another and love one another. And there's giving and there's taking and receiving. And it's just this uh, an amazing relationship. P.S. I want you to be brought into that. I like that. Whoa! Yeah! It's not just, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this. Number two, connect. So you've got to get no down. You've got to know God in a way that a Christian knows God, in a way that the Bible expects a Christian to know God, so that you will even have the desire, number one, to connect, number two, the fuel and the ability to connect. And I'm just talking about with other Christians at this point. Acts 2, 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and that was a response to that, and, and, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. See, Sunday morning kind of bridges the gap uh, between knowing Jesus and connecting in gospel relationships and gospel community. It moves from an individual focus of, of learner uh, into beer, like being and connecting, being reminded of the gospel. Gospel community is more than just like-minded folks coming together. I, I drive a, a, an old, it's not really beat up, I think it's real nice. I got an 04 Toyota Tacoma. I mean, my right headlight is held in through pa by packaging tape, and it works just fine. I've got 325,000 miles on this baby, and I, rode, I drove for three days without any antifreeze in it this week. It is a fantastic vehicle. 
I didn't know it was not in there until it was just overheating. And I found out later. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, so I pulled in. I'm going running, right? And I pulled in a little parking lot. And this guy pulls next to me. And it was an 04 Toyota Tacoma, same color. I'm like, destiny. I feel like I know this person. I just had so much in common. I was so excited, so much expectation. I just walked over to him, knocked on it like we know each other. What's up, brother? Obviously, you have good taste in vehicles. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this. I didn't say anything. I said, how many miles you got? <laughs> he was like, well, I'm, on, I'm on, you know, he was apologizing. I'm only, I'm only at like 304, you know. And I'm like, 325. I mean, we just we just had a moment there. I'm like, you know, hey, look at my front my front headlight. That's been it was stuck there. It's it works. I mean, we're just having a great time, right? And we're just I felt like we knew each other's souls. It's not enough, right? I was done with that in about ten minutes. Like I, I got to go. You know, I'll probably never see you again in my life. But you know, keep it real. That was that was how that went. It is a type of community to come together because you have affinities, you have similar likes, similar walks of life, but for gospel community, it is not enough. What must bring us together, it's not enough to hold us together, it's got to be, and it's not what brought New Testament believers together, it is a Jesus-centered community, and it is costly. All right, And so this birth, this church was birthed out of a, a desire for genuine des- uh, community, gospel community. I hope that that has not changed. Growing deep in the word and serving one another. A discipleship cannot be limited to a class. It can start there, but it cannot be limited to it if we're going to follow Jesus. It's not, he did a sermon on the mount, but that came out of going to people's homes and calling them and, and walking through life and walking from city to city. He did life on life, discipleship, and life in community. He chose that. He had three, he had 12, and he invested in them in smaller groups, large groups and smaller groups, both. Different context, you know people different in different environments. He intentionally chose to do that. And what it looks like in Acts 2 is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the, uh, to the teaching and, and to the, the breaking of bread and the fellowship and to the prayers. They met at the temple and they met in homes. It's in that verse. The only reason they stopped meeting in the temple is because they got kicked out. Devoted is a key part there. It sounds like counting the cost, and I think we'd all agree these are great things to be a part of. I'd like to be a part of something like that. But we've got more complexities than than the first century did, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but we have more obstacles in our way to live like Jesus did or like he calls us to. They didn't have electricity extending their day, right, where you can get more done. What does that mean? (laughs) They didn't have technology that allows us to do so much. They didn't have organized sports or dance or music that if you're not participating in, you're left behind socially. On some level, nobody will say it. You're not giving your child the best or the most opportunity. Don't you want a well-rounded child? Jamie, are you bashing sports? No, I'm not. I'm coaching. (laughs) I'm coaching girls soccer again. I chose. No, I didn't. I did not choose that. I was in Nepal, and I came back. I was signed up for it. <laughs> I just saw you sitting there. I'm like, I'm giving you more credit. That's my wife, by the way. <laughs> they had, back in the first century, they had an agrarian society, a farming society. It was uh, focused on more simple needs, right? Get, getting food, you know, stuff like that. Now I think of my grandma sitting on the back porch, 
She lived with us. We had this thing called a rocking chair. <laughs> Everybody, what? What? Is that like a phone with a cord? I mean, you know, no, but we don't know what that is. Because you're sitting still and you're not going anywhere, but you're working hard. That's the way we think about that, right? Why do you work so hard to do nothing? I'm like, oh, you got the wrong goals. See, I thought I was doing nothing too when I was nine years old, and she would talk and I would listen and answer her questions. And now I realize, oh, the goal was being together. So it would change who I am. Oh. Our speed of life is an enemy to intimacy with Jesus and with each other. We get more done. I'm just not sure that in 30 years any of it's going to really matter. Um, We live in this glut of opportunity. We've got so many opportunities and either access to to cash or credit that we can get it done that we don't know how to spend our lives best. I deal with that. And so you're not going to hear a guy up here going, guilt, 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 go to church more. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this is complex. This is difficult. This is something my wife and I, instead of every season that comes along, we revisit kind of monthly. What what do you think this month ought to look like (laughs) if we can stay on mission for Jesus? And, you know, sometimes we don't do real well. There's that one time we had everybody in baseball and soccer and and, and, and dance and piano. I'm like, all all we did was just taxi people around. We did nothing, really, in our minds. I mean, there's some benefit. But how do we best redeem the time? How do we best display Jesus? I don't want us to truly miss what's important in exchange for easily accessible. See, back in the 80s, that's when sports and church started kind of conflicting. And if you dropped church and went to sports, then you're kind of a heathen. And so that was an easy nomenclature for that. But I think we may have re-swung the pendulum too far. And it's not binary. Yes, going to the soccer fields and the softball fields and the the basketball courts is part of the mission. It is. That's why we don't have any here. We keep them up here. They're very cheap. They're up uh, 31 on the right. It's called the Sportsplex. That's where we go to love the city and the community and pour into it and to coach things and to be parents and to bring snacks and then invite kids to our house or to the park. There are opportunities. We are to go into the world and shine our lights for Jesus. But, here's the pendulum swing. But when it is to the neglect of our spiritual growth and regularly replaces our time in community with believers, we can head down a dangerous path. A path of being more of the world than just being in it for it. So this is the mindset that's kind of, kind of, it gets into us, and, and reg- regular church gatherings start to be seen as not necessary. Maybe once or twice a month, that's enough, because we're just trying to learn some stuff, right? Ah, see? See how it comes together with what we think Christianity is? If it's just an information download, then you can do that at home. You can work from home. I got the podcast. Oh, I'll just stream that. But it's not like working from home. We're made differently. We have a fabric of our soul that has requirements that you can't get by yourself. The value of community in that viewpoint 
is now totally missed. We're missing it because of the emphasis of, of disciple-making being on learning information rather than transformation as a people. I, I want you to understand that I'm in this discussion with you. It is not easy because I'm not going to give you a cookie cutter. Here's what you need to do then. <laughs> I don't know. I've only got four kids. Some of y'all have more. Some of y'all have less. Some of you have bigger plates. Some of you have smaller plates. Some of you can handle more. I can't answer that for you. As much as I'd love to try, I cannot. And so what our faulty understanding of what church is has resulted in neglecting our spiritual growth, uh, neglecting our community coming together as God's people, and, and therefore we don't really experience God's power or presence regularly. And a church as an event that you go to, that mentality has now backfired on us. And we've lost the importance of regularly gathering. It's the first thing we give up. And, and so we don't, aren't unified for worship and teaching and therefore not transformed as a people, ready to lead others to the same. And so these, these wonderful opportunities, this is the hard part. So we've got all these wonderful opportunities now, all the things that we can do, and we place less value on the gathering to the point where we just we have to drop church because we've got all these things that we have to get done. And I, I feel that. I get that. So I just want us to be honest about we live in a complex time where it's difficult navigating schedules and, and we got to recognize the tension between being in the world and being of the world. Because we're here for the world, but if the world, if the world affects us more than we affect the world, then maybe it's because of our spiritual neglect and we are in the world too much to be any good for the world if that makes sense. Are you saying we just need to do everything you got? I'm not trying to fill up Sunday morning. We're planting a church. You're, most of y'all, a lot of y'all are leaving. We're going to have big old gaps right here. I might as well talk about why we really want them. Because we want you on mission. We want you loving Jesus with everything that you've got and everything that is within you and seeing that that is real satisfaction in life, that everything else falls short. That's what we want. I mean... We can't say that meeting regularly is important, and we see that Jesus calls us to that. But if we, when we rarely do it, or if we never do it, what our kids hear is, well, I guess it's not that important. Now, we aren't thinking that in our heads. We're thinking, i got to get there. or this, I don't know if I can get all this done, and there's just so much to, to get around. I'm like, I get that. I suffer from that. That's an I don't know-itis. It gets in our bones. But if Jesus gives us an example and we don't follow it, why would we expect him to move in power? And I'm saying, oh, do this and God will do that. That's not what I'm saying at all. I want to see Jesus. I want you and I to walk with him, to see him change and transform lives. I just want us to be willing to examine ourselves and our state uh, that we find ourselves in life and be willing to ask hard questions and enter the tension. Missional community is the main way that we do that here. That's the main way we take care of one another. We just, we can't get to everybody. I'd like to. There's a Connect class coming up soon that explains that. We desire there to be depth and vulnerability, transparency, courage, accountability, spiritual growth. To truly know others and truly be known. You've got to count the cost for that. That doesn't happen by default. There's a depth and roots that have to be placed, and you have to stay there a while. 
and realize that this church is full of people. We're not here to cater to you. We want everybody to cater to us in our flesh. I can't believe they didn't come talk to me. I can't believe, can you believe that person didn't talk to me? Do they know who I am? I'm a diamond in the rough. Right? I mean, we, we don't say that out loud, but our hearts are going, love me. You know, I mean, that, that's what it says. Or maybe it's just me. I don't think so. I know a lot of y'all. <laughs> you have to give up some stuff, and it is expensive, and it will cost you. But what we're here to say this morning is Jesus calls us to it, that they are poor. It's worth it. So we want to just jump in with both feet and go, well, that's not what I thought. <laughs> what next? I'm like, oh, great question. I love that question. Let's fall forward and trust Jesus together. It's a true treasure. So let's be devoted to the teaching of the word. Let's be devoted to regular worship. Let's be devoted to fellowship and, and, and breaking of bread and, and prayer. Not so we can cross off a list and keep God happy. We want to experience him. We want to watch him move and work. We want to be part of that. We want to worship. We want more. That's why you do that. (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's Christianity. Ask this question. Lord, how do I orient my life around you rather than how do I orient you around my life? How do I, Lord, how do I orient my life around you Instead of how do I orient you around my life? I think that's a good question. There's no easy answers. I can't give you the answer to that. You're going to have to regularly ask that. Lord, I want you to be in the center, but I know my default. I do not drift toward holiness. I, just, I don't wake up in the morning going, oh, I think I'll remember our scripture, and I'm just going to do some really wonderfully, you know, I'm going to sacrifice my life today. That's what I want to do. I don't, I don't do that. I'm like, Jesus, thank you. Scripture and it reminds you, and you have friends that remind we need that. Number three, live out the gospel. So, number one, I told you you got to remember number one, you got to know God and not just know about Him, not just know data, not just have it in your head, not just know the story, know Him intimately. That's what you're called, we're called to. From that, you are fueled to even number one, have the desire to be in a community, and you don't think, well, I don't really need that. Yes, you do. We do. That's just hardwired into us. God exists in community. Therefore, you're made in his image. Ergo, use, I don't, I don't, that sounded like it fit there. Ergo, uh, therefore, you need community. That's just a simple equation. If you're made in his image, you exist in his image. You need community, by definition. From community flows life, behavior, action, mission. If you do that part first, you will turn inward, you'll, you'll work in your flesh, you'll be weak, tired, angry, bitter, closed off, expecting from people that can't pay you back enough. You'll never end up in a group of people because you're all the same. And you're all looking like two ticks and no dog. Right? They're just sucking the life out of one another and you can't get anywhere. My, I was thinking about my grandmother, she always used that phrase. Community is vital to the Christian life, but it's not the target. And so we, we realized this early on um, and, and tried to, to realize, you know, worship is the target. Community is how we go on mission. It's like the vehicle for being like Jesus and the disciples as they went. I want you to be reminded of this. So as you're, you're thinking through that, here, here's a quote from a book. Our doing for God, it really impacted me, our doing for God 
must be supported by our being with God. All right? Our doing for God must be supported by our being with God. If it is not, it's not Christianity. You're trying to earn God's hug, earn his acceptance. You're trying to do what you're doing. Religion, you may not mean to, but that is what we're doing. I, I fall into it. 46, I've been, I've been recovering for 20-some-odd years. I'm better at it, and God is more gracious. I'm like, oh, there, I'm doing it again. Right there. We're not called to work in our own strength, and we're called to do things that we can't do without God. So living in the gospel, let me, let me finish with this. So what does that look like here as we're being with Jesus and being sent by Jesus? What does that look like locally? So we're called, we call our, our groups missional communities. So hopefully our name, the name means something. You're a community on mission. You're a missional community. So we want to be communities of people that, that know Jesus, that, that connect in gospel relationships or gospel community, and from that spills out mission that we go on together. Whether you're a team of missionaries or a missionary team, it doesn't really matter. We have different ways of talking about that. We serve internally. We serve externally. We, we serve with, with greeters and summit kids and volunteers and summit students. And, and you cut the grass and we have maintenance stuff and, and ushers. There's all kinds of things to do here. We've got a, a team, a, a, a missional community this week that sat down. One of the, the guys is a, is a teacher at a local high school. And he was like, man, I just I love these kids, and they've had a hard year and really want to know how to bless them. And, and, and as they prayed together, he's like, hey, why don't we just, you know, I coach soccer. Why don't we uh, just have a pizza party for them after a game, and our, our group will come along and, and bless that. I'm like, I could get excited about that. We're decentralized. You're, that's normal. That's organic. I didn't come up with a grand structure for everybody to do. I'm like, that's That's good. How do we breathe, breathe wind in that? How do we do more of that? Lord, give us, give us more of that. You know, maybe opportunities will start small, faithful in a little, faithful in a lot, and what is God going to do? And, and now we're praying together. Now we're going on mission together. And now we're going to go, oh, that didn't go well, or this did go well, or let's have more of that and less of this. And how do we come together? And now our community is better because we're build, building it around mission. How can we not look at ourselves, and how can we look out? I'm like, oh, now you're getting it. You're starting to see what Jesus is talking about. How do we be a conduit of God's blessing other than a cul-de-sac? Missional communities have adopted nursing homes, and instead of meeting four Wednesdays in a row, maybe the fourth one, you go to a, mission, or you go to a nursing home. Take your kids, write cards, sing a song, just hang out and talk, rock in a chair. Um, I've been meeting with uh, the pastor at Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church, Pastor Bry. Love this man. We're working with them uh, for on a, on a food bank, and a lot of you guys are part of that. We we want to call. Hey, let's do let's do more. How can we do that? How can we partner with local churches to bless the community so that Jesus gets credit for that? How, how do we do that? Yeah, we're learning. We're taking some steps forward. It's pretty exciting. Women's Resource Center. We've got uh, Alma, the Athens Limestone Ministerial Association, that does stuff uh, alliance that does things like uh, Convoy for Kids, Convoy of Hope. We're different denominations partnering together for Jesus in the city and in, in the county. And I've been getting to know those pastors better, even to the degree somehow for the Sunrise Easter service, I'm preaching it. Like, I don't know how that happened. I don't know. They may not know. I don't know what happened. We'll see how that goes. DHR, partnering with them, getting to know them. MC's helping out. Uh, with other fundraisers for folks that are going on mission. Whether you're in middle school, high school, college, young professional, 
uh, you're in your young families, you're in your 30s, your 40s, 50s, getting into retirement. It doesn't matter. All of those ages are gifts and platforms for the gospel to be displayed. It's not, hey, when I get to, hmm, you're there. It doesn't change. That's the constant because it's based on your identity. And once your identity is found in Christ, it's not when you, it's you are. That's what we need to understand. And we are called to know him in such a way that we connect with others and live out that gospel. That's what he did. That's what he called us to do. And that's what we want to do. And so I just say simply, I don't want to neglect our regular gatherings. I want to celebrate Jesus. I want to be excited about that. I want to go, ah, ah, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's get together and see what Jesus is doing here together. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time praying about that and toward that end. Uh, look on the screen. Worship team can come on up here. There's three things today. This is your first time. Uh, what we typically do is we just spend a little bit of time praying. We're devoted to prayers. Acts 2, real simple. Sometimes it's prescriptive, sometimes it's descriptive. I don't know. I don't care. I want to pray, so let's do it. All right? Pray for a deep spiritual hunger and thirst to begin to form in this body of believers. Pray for that. That's how our revivals start. If you look historically over the years, they all started with prayer. Usually it was driven to prayer because they had nowhere else to go and this was bad. And so they prayed, and then the response is, God moves. And I'm like, okay. I'm at this point, like, whatever it takes. Lord, we just want to see you. We need you. And the sad thing is, we don't realize how much we need you. I know that I don't. And so, pray that he would give us a hunger and thirst. Number two, pray for our missional communities to be devoted to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers. To what the early church was devoted to. Not randomly going to, not giving theoretical assent to, not going, oh, that's a good idea. Living. Doing. Not studying being. And then finally, pray that God would use this little church and this community to the degree that if we ceased to exist, we would be missed. What does that mean? That we matter for Jesus to the community. For Jesus, not just to do good, but to do good so that Jesus gets praise and worship. And that will satisfy our souls like you can't believe. So let's spend some time praying.